Chapter twenty four of The Rover Boys in Camp by Arthur M. Winfield. The Slipperbox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter fourteen More Rivalry. Do you mean to tell me that you saw Arnold Baxter? exclaimed Dick, after listening to Sam and Tom's story. We did, replied the youngest rover. There was no mistake. If it wasn't Arnold Baxter, do you think he would take such pains to get out of our reach? asked Tom. That is true, Tom, but it seems so unnatural. What can he be doing in this out-of-the-way place? As Powell says, he must be keeping out of the reach of the law. Perhaps he expects to keep shady until this affair blows over. As if it would blow over, cried Sam. Dick, we ought to do something. Captain Putnam had already learned why the four cadets had been late in returning to camp. The rovers now went to consult him further. "'I agree. Something should be done,' said the captain. "'Perhaps you had better go to the nearest telegraph office, Richard, and telegraph to your folks. You might also get some of the local authorities to take up the hunt for this criminal.' "'Who are the local authorities?' "'I really don't know, but we can find out at Oakville.' In the end, Dick and Tom received permission to leave camp for an indefinite time. Late as it was, they hurried to Oakville and caught the telegraph operator at the little railroad station just as he was shutting up for the night. Having sent the message to their father, they made inquiries of the operator and learned that the town boasted of a Judge Perkins and that the local constable was Monroe Staten. Do you mean the farmer who lives down on the road to Bass Lake? asked dick the man who has twin daughters that's the man why he was in camp to-day with his daughters cried dick wish i had known of this before i might have hired him to make a hunt for the fellow we are after where does that judge live sorry but he went to new york yesterday and won't be back for several days the boys said no more but without delay turned away from oakville and made their way to the staten farmhouse hello i didn't expect to see you again to-day exclaimed monroe staten as he opened the door for them come in they entered to find the girls sewing and mrs staten darning stockings mr staten had been reading his favorite weekly newspaper we have come on a very important errand mr staten began dick we have been down to oakville and learned there that you are the local police officer ah do you want somebody arrested if it can be done somebody at the camp put in helen no i wish he was at the camp said tom but i'm afraid he is miles away all of the statements were interested and listened to the tale tom and dick had to tell with close attention seems to me i've heard of this baxter and his son said monroe staten scratching his head how does he look as well as he was able tom described the man while dick took a sheet of paper and a pencil and made a rough but lifelike sketch of the individual why you are quite an artist said alice Staten as she gazed at the picture i'm sure i'd recognize that man if i met him so would i added her father can i keep this picture to be sure replied dick now mr Staten, to come to business what are your services as constable worth a day oh about two or two dollars and a half well if you will start a hunt for this man baxter at once i'll guarantee you three dollars per day for a week or two and if you succeed in landing him in jail 
i'll guarantee you a reward of one hundred dollars i know my father will pay that amount willingly and if he won't i will said tom you must be rich we are fairly rich mr staton this man is a great criminal and has been an enemy to our family for years we don't want to see him at large well i'll take the job and do the best i can for you said monroe staton and arose to his feet my eyed man can run the farm while i am gone he said he knew the spot where the boys had first seen arnold baxter and he would visit it at sunrise the next day and take up the trail as best he could that trail through the woods used to lead to the village of hopdale he said perhaps i'll learn something about him over that i certainly hope that you do returned dick the boys especially tom were worn out with travelling and readily consented to borrow a horse from monroe staton on which to ride back to camp the steed was returned early in the morning it's rather a wild goose chase said dick in talking matters over with his brothers but i don't know of anything else to do mr staton may catch baxter quicker than a metropolitan detective could do the job three days passed and during that time the boys received two telegrams from home stating they should do as they thought best in the baxter affair and that a detective was on the way then the detective appeared at the camp and followed monroe staton on the hunt for the missing criminal but the search by both men proved useless and nothing more was seen of arnold baxter for the time being the cadets had arranged for a series of athletic contests to come off at the beginning of the following week there was to be broad and high jumping and running as well as throwing the hammer all of the students were interested and for some time these contests formed the total subject of conversation the cadets to enter for the various events eight in number were those already introduced in these pages and a dozen or fifteen in addition all lively wide-awake youths each of whom looked as if he would do his best to win in a manner not to be easily explained the camp divided itself into two factions one led by dick and major larry and the other led by lou flapp and pender to the former belonged the rovers and their numerous chums and to the latter brockley ben hurdy and boys of a similar turn each crowd had one or more followers entered for every event and as before numerous wagers were made as to which person and which crowd would win dick had entered for the high jump tom for the hammer throwing and sam for a half-mile race for cadets of his own class the boys practised a good deal although not always where the others could see what they were doing the day for the contest was a perfect one and as news of the events had travelled to oakville and other places quite a respectable crowd of outsiders came to the camp to witness the affair i hope you rover boys win said alice staton who had come with her twin sister and her mother in a buggy thank you returned dick politely we shall certainly do our best but you must remember that we have some first-class athletes at this academy oh i don't doubt it all academies have them put in helen staton the first event to come off was the hammer-throwing to take place in the middle of the parade ground there were four entries for this tom as already mentioned jackson powell and a big boy named larson larson who belonged to the flap crowd was looked on as the probable winner for he handled the hammer exceedingly well but jackson could also throw as the others well knew 
nothing was known about the skill of tom or powell in this direction the contest began with a throw by powell it was not very good and jackson outdistanced him by three feet that's the style jackson cried lou flapp show em what you can do this is the day our crowd comes out on top put in pender throwing rather early seems to me came from fred garrison dryly it was now tom's turn and he threw the hammer with all the force at his command it fell just beyond the point reached by jackson good for you tom cried sam that's the way to do it hm. just wait till larson takes his turn came from a flap follower larson stepped to the mark with the air of one who knows just what he is doing up went the hammer with a long swing to land in the very spot where tom had thrown it a tie a tie was the cry well done larson came from lou flapp but he was by no means satisfied over the showing made being tied it was necessary for tom and larson to throw once more and again tom took his position at the mark be careful tom whispered dick take your time again the hammer swung up into the air and went sailing forward hurrah eight inches beyond his first mark came the cry larson will have to hump himself to beat that it was now larson's turn and he stepped to the mark with a quick earnest air he realized that he must do his best if he expected to beat tom jackson had picked up the hammer and he it was who had handed the article to tom as larson swung the hammer on high tom cried out quickly stop what's the matter with you cried jackson uglily i want captain putnam to examine that hammer there ain't nothing wrong with it possibly not but please remember that i used the one marked a so did i came from powell captain putnam brushed forward i will look at that hammer please he said to larson quietly he knew that the cadets had several hammers for practicing throwing in the camp i i guess it's all right faltered larson this hammer is marked b b cried tom that b hammer is about a half a pound lighter than the one marked a it ain't so yelled jackson let me see the hammer marked a said the captain and it was brought from the spot where jackson had thrown it it is certainly heavier than this one he went on jackson what do you mean by making such a substitution i um, i didn't know there was any difference but why did you make the change at all i i knew larson liked this hammer better the handle just suits him that is so replied larson blandly we will try the contest over again said captain putnam and every contestant will use the hammer marked a i don't like the hammer marked a grumbled larson i would just as lief use the hammer marked b said tom quickly so would i added powell who felt he could not win anyway very well then we will use the hammer marked b said captain putnam and after this jackson be sure of what you are doing he added sharply and at the words the boy who had tried to work such a mean trick was glad enough to slink back out of sight as much as possible End of chapter 24